institution. And then we'll kind of close it up with uh, fond memories of Central High School. Good, bad, or possibly indifferent. Uh, so, let's get busy. So we're going to start with Mike. I'm going to ask you to talk a little bit about your background, kind of the education, how you got to Central, uh, you know, and then kind of what you're doing right now. So, Mr. Garrett, thank you very much. Well, let's see. Uh, Central was a huge, huge school for me because my experience had not been in a school nearly that size. I was born and raised in northwest Iowa on a farm near Storm Lake, and then through Storm Lake on the way up to Okoboji. And uh, I went to high school at, uh, in Storm Lake High School there. And uh, after graduating, I went to Creighton University. And while at Creighton, I decided to go into teaching, did my student teaching. I was lucky enough to do student teaching at not Central, but Vincent High School, where I don't know if any of you remember this name, but Gunnar Horn was Mr. Journalism, and he was fantastic. And he did so much for me. And uh, I taught uh, basically English there, but I helped him with the yearbook and with the newspaper. And the job opened up at Central, and uh, I know he had a lot to do with recommending me for the job. And I came to Central and I started in 1963, 1963-64 was my first year with uh, uh, the register and the open. And I was very fortunate in arriving at Central. I don't know if I'm getting ahead of myself, but I need to mention some teachers there who had a great influence on me. I was going through a yearbook uh, last night in preparation for this. There were so many teachers in there that I could mention. I can't mention all of them. But there were so many great teachers there, and I know that that undoubtedly continues today. Um, so when I came, the department chair uh, in the English department was uh, Joe Frisbee. And I remember her, her so well because she was so helpful in those early years. And at Central, I taught, well, I had quite a schedule. I taught English, primarily junior English, American literature was my specialty. And I taught two classes of journalism, the beginning courses. And then that, uh, those two courses uh, ended up with the register and the old book, each of those being two semester courses, as many of you know. And a little later, I taught creative writing, and I was the uh, advisor for a dimension, uh, the literary magazine for creative writing. And basically, that's, that was my start at Central. I started in 63, 64, and I retired. That, by the way, was the first year that Dr. Muller joined us. And I retired in uh, 1995, and that also was the year that Dr. Muller retired. And uh, anyway, that's, that's it. So, in other words, you were the scribe of Dr. Mulder's time at Central High School. You know everything. Henry, how about you? 
and for this audience, I guess for starters, I'm a very proud 1981 Central grad. Some of my 81 uh, classmates are here today, including my wife Susan. Um, even prouder that I'm also the father of a pair of 2017 Central High grads, Thelma is with us here today. <laughs> Whenever I talk to a group of alums, I make sure to tell them that, you know, as much as we all love Central, as much as we all know it was a great school when we were there, it is, I can assure you, it is still a great school. My, my kids just had a tremendous experience, and it was so much fun for me to go through the second time around. I mean, I, I, I really enjoyed it just as much going through the second time with my kids. Um, so yeah, we'll talk a lot more about the central experience as we go along here with the experience I have. Um, as of next month, I will have been at the World Herald for 38 years. So, very awesome. Um, I know I started there at age two, but... Um, actually, I did start uh, just six months after graduating from Central, I started in the sports department at the World Herald as a copy editor. I uh, went to UNO, and, and three years later, as I was graduating, I moved over to UDSI. I uh, was a police reporter. Uh, was sent down to Lincoln to cover the legislature. was our bureau chief for a number of years. Um, for the last two decades, I've been a general assignment reporter, so I write about just about anything. And I still do a little sports. Um, I do a lot of projects, uh, do a lot of data analysis. That's what I was doing this week. Um, do some long form journalism, like multi part series, and, and some of those have actually turned into some books. Um, uh, do some uh, investigative reporting, like the Goodwill series that you might remember from a, a few years ago, and this year's stuff about the debacle that is the OPS pension fund. Um, uh, but one of the most recent stories I did, frankly, was Doc Muller's open, and I was very, very honored to get the opportunity to do that. Um, I, I love the variety of things I get to love write about. In fact, I just, I mean, all these years later, I, I love my job as much as the first day I walked into that place. I love the, um, the fact that it's different every day and sometimes shocks me and surprises me. Um, I love the fact that I constantly learn new things and that I meet very interesting people and, uh, and, and hear their life stories and get the opportunity to tell their stories. Um, and of course, as a journalist, you get an opportunity to shine a light where it sometimes needs to be shown and, and to make a difference. Um, so being a reporter to me is just the best job there is. And, uh, um, or at least definitely for me, it is, it is the right job for me. And it, to me, it's the closest thing there is to rock and roll out there. So, <laughs> so Mike, you said you started over at Benson with Rattleport. And obviously, you got a view that's pretty hardcore journalism, particularly on the teaching end. You get hired to come over to Central to run the oldest, and I'm going to claim the oldest, I know that there is a town somewhere southeast Nebraska that likes to say that their newspaper, but I don't think Brownville still has their high school. 
So I think that makes us all So you took it over. Talk a little bit about the register when you started and when the register and the whole book ended. You know, what you hope to aspire to, whether you got it. You know, um, obviously you were teaching some other classes, but, you know, that was a big deal in high school when you talk about, particularly Central High, the register and the book. I was very fortunate in that both of those publications were were publications to be proud of at that time. I was looking at some of the, and I suppose some of you have gone back to look at registers that are now available on the website. And I was, I went back this morning and I was looking at some of those. The one big change we made fairly soon after I came in was to change the size of the paper because we went to a tabloid size. Uh, I can't tell you exactly why we did that. It might have simply been a matter of what the printer wanted at that time. But it gave us uh, some real opportunities to do some different things, as I recall. Um, I was very fortunate early on and really during my time there you know, that I had such fantastic stats. Um, they really you know, took hold of the assignment and went with it and did great work. One thing that I've always been so proud of uh, is the fact that we never missed a deadline in all of those years that I was there. And that's true of the yearbook as well as the newspaper. And this became a real challenge. Um, we tried, in those days, we handed out the newspaper in a homeroom. And I can recall how proud we were to get it to them on the, the assigned day. And I remember that one day I came into the room, the, the uh, newspapers were always stacked uh, by the door when I came in because they were delivered and brought up to our room. But there was nothing there. And I was distressed because we always promised to have the newspaper out on time. And when the staff came in, they began to wander in to deliver. And I said, we had no paper. And they had a good laugh. And they walked me over to the dark room across the hall. They had brought up all of the copies of the paper and put them in the, the dark room as a particular joke on me. <laughs> <laughs> and it definitely worked. Did worked. you get upset? Uh, I might have been. <laughs> but those were great days. I remember them so fondly, the, uh, the good things that happened with with the paper and uh, and with the yearbook. I was proud of both of them in the time that I was there. So just as a follow-up, Mike, in regards to how you put that paper together, what was your role? Were you the the one who so how did the students perform? How did you how did you set this up? That when Henry came in nineteen eighty one, he obviously went into a well oiled machine. But was it the kids that were making the paper? Was it the advisor? Can you speak to how stories got assigned a little bit? I have to say that almost all of this was done by the students. I think Henry will back me up on that. Uh, students uh, pretty much ran the show, which on some occasions uh, was a good thing, and maybe on other occasions not so much. Uh, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but I've got to tell about the famous April Fool's edition of the paper. Um, I don't know if we have anyone here who was involved in that 
particular publication. That was in my second year. Um, so Jay Arthur's running the show. Jay Arthur's running the show. I found that out for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, it happened that year that April the 1st occurred on a regular publication day. And so the staff wanted to cook up um, a particular edition for that particular day. And they did a very clever thing. They were going to do an April Fool's edition on a new edition that had been made at the school and the courtyard had been turned into an aquarium. <laughs> Some of you out there probably remember this. But anyway, uh, this was before uh, you know, the fancy things that you can do with computers now, so they had to do all of the photography work by hand. And the photographer took a picture through the doors of the courtyard, which as many of you remember was closed during the winter, and then uh, blew that picture up to enormous size, and then took another picture through the windows that showed the courtyard, and mounted that particular picture on the, uh, the uh, back of a, an aquarium and the other picture on the front of the aquarium after they had cut out with a razor blade the, the window. And so what you ended up with was a pretty darn good looking picture of the courtyard filled with water <laughs> with fish swimming around it. And so then they wrote a story that accompanied that. And we had prayed that week that the courtyard would not be open because it always was closed during the winter. But the day before we were to um, the weather had turned nice, and they opened the doors. And this, I remember the staff was so upset. But anyway, the, um, that day we handed out the paper, and the students went crazy. And I always thought it was amusing that they went down out of Homer as soon as they could to get down to see this amazing place, <laughs> which they had walked through Anyway, it was a fantastic hit with nearly everyone in school except for <laughs> We found no humor in this at all. <laughs> And, as a matter of fact, we had a number of chats about it, and this went on for some time. And I finally went into the office one day, and I was talking to the secretaries, and I said, what is he so upset about relating to this, what I thought was a pretty clever idea? And the answer was, many parents had shown up to see this edition. <laughs> They started with his office and expected a tour. <laughs> anyway, he was not amused. But it was great. I can't imagine. <laughs> so, Henry, you know, I know you, you mentioned that you were cross country, you were track, you were band, you were pretty involved already. Give me a little bit about how you ended up, kind of your experience as central teachers, but obviously how you ended up in journalism, which, you know, for not unusual for central kids, but that's a pretty big position to become the sports editor. 
Well, the short answer to that is uh, because Mr. Garrity called my mom. <laughs> I have a much longer answer, which I'll give now, but she'll also tell you a little bit about my central experience, um, which if you haven't figured out, I just loved. Um, I still have a very uh, vivid memory of the first time I stood on Dodd Street and looked up you know, at this citadel up on the hill. I was, uh, from day one, I was just in on Central High School. Um, but you, you very quickly learned that, you know, as, as historic and beautiful as that building is, what, what really makes the difference there is the people. Um, and I, I attended school with such a diverse and talented and intelligent, um, amazingly funny and quirky um, group of classmates, many of which uh, became my friends. And I can tell you that there absolutely could not have been a better training ground for someone who was going to go into a career where I literally work with people from all walks of life, you know, from literally from presidents of the United States to um, corporate and corporate CEOs down to the, you know, the poorest of the poor among us. Um, and I just had a, a great time at Central. I did, I did do a, a few different sports and I, of course was on the register staff and um, was uh, in the band uh, as well. And, uh, and of course, you know, the teachers at Central, um, you know, I, I had a chance to learn from some of the, the Central legends, including Mr. Lanky and Dan Daly, who are here today, and, and, um, um, and of course, this guy. Uh, I mean, uh, arguably, no teacher I ever had had a more profound impact on my life than, uh, than Mr. Garrity, and, and that gets to the, the story about my mom. Um, I, uh, is she a central friend? She's not. She's not. No. So, so where did you live? I, I uh, my um, family history. My mom was from Baltimore, and my father was from Omaha. And he was a crap grad, I'm afraid to say. Um, <laughs> and, um, but he got his doctorate degree out in the East Coast in Baltimore, Johns Hopkins, and that's where my parents met. And so I, I spent the early part of my years in, out on the East Coast, but we came, uh, Omaha was my dad's hometown, and uh, we came to Omaha when I was in the seventh grade, went to Norris Middle School, and, and, and then, uh, yeah, any other redbirds here? Not the most imposing of big names here, but... Um, but, uh, and so yeah, then I um, ended up at Central. And when I was at Central, I really had no intention of being on the register staff uh, going into senior year. Uh, I was kind of a brainy kid too, so uh, my intention was to load up on AP courses uh, my senior year. Uh, but fortunately, I did, during junior year, take uh, Mr. Garrity's um, introduction to journalism class as an elective. Um, and I did it totally for fun. In fact, my three best friends, we were all took this class together. And when the seating chart came out, we were like bing, 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 all right next to each other. So we had a really good time in that class. Um, but we learned a lot too. I mean, Mr. Gary taught us everything from how to even read a newspaper 
to um, how to write for a newspaper, you know, and how you're writing for an audience, a mass audience, you know, as opposed to, with apologies, Mr. Daly, when you're writing for an audience of one in English class. <laughs> and, um, so, uh, so, uh, so yeah, we 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 learned a lot. And one day in class, I was sitting there talking to my friend Brian Keenan, who's here today, also by the way. Um, always will be best known in central circles as John Keenan son. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Brian. And uh, uh, yeah, and uh, so we were just sitting in class, and he asked me, "Hey, are you going to be on the register staff next year?" And I told him no, that it meant. The, the register uh, during the day met at the same time as Dr. Bob's AP business class, Dr. Bob Wolf, of course. And um, so I was planning to take that. And it was just a conversation between friends. But someone else apparently um, was taking notice because when I got home from school that night, and Mr. Garrity does not remember this, but it absolutely happened. Um, I get home and my mom was like, she had this concerned look on her face. She's like, I got a call from one of your teachers, Mr. Garrity. And he was very concerned to learn that you were not planning to be on the register staff next year because he said he, he thinks you have a lot of promise for that and he thought you would be missing out on a great opportunity. Uh, you know, I talk about Dr. Bennett about one of those moments, you know, that happened. And this was my moment. Um, uh, because I was, and like I said, I've been a good student, so I was used to getting, you know, having teachers pray, you know, offer praise at parent-teacher conferences and stuff. But this was really different, because this was a teacher who was saying, hey, I think you have a special talent for something. And uh, so that was just very um, motivating for me. And, uh, and I remember, Right, and that, that's why I came to believe. Hey, I like writing. Maybe I could writing could be a thing for me. And uh, right there on the spot, I told my mom, "Well, I guess I'm going to be the, on the register staff next year." And, and that's what I did. I, I I ended up as the sports editor, and I just loved it. Uh, I, I loved uh, seeing things that I wrote in print with my name on them, and um, that's uh, that's still a thrill today. Um, and uh, and I am certainly not the only person who was touched in this way by Mr. Garrity. And going into those on social media, I heard from so many people uh, who told me that they were equally inspired to go into writing because Mr. Garrity, there were sports writers, there was a poet, there was a person who is a TV um, writes for television in, in Hollywood. I mean, he, he touched a lot of lives in that way. And it really, it really does speak to the ability of all teachers to really impact the lives of young people. So in other words, what you're saying is I took a class that I really thought was going to be a blow-off class, and I ended up with a career. Yeah. So that's <laughs> a pretty impressive point. <laughs> so knowing that, let's talk a little bit about the registry. Obviously, the oldest student-operated newspaper in Western Mississippi, yes, and continues in a really, really outstanding format. We mentioned a little bit that you said the kids were kind of doing a lot of this. What was the role of the advisor? So 
And what I mean by that is obviously as a former principal, and I don't know about Dr. Bennett, I'm sure it's all sunshine and lollipops. That there is kind of a built-in friction that comes along with you know administration and student uh, desire for free speech. Uh, how did you handle some of that? Talk about you know some of the challenges that you had. Uh, getting the students to understand, as well as getting the administration to work with you. I'm almost going to have to hand this back to you, because <laughs> you have the best story about this. <laughs> Do you mind? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, uh, maybe, maybe first I should talk a little bit about how, how the register worked in, That's fine. in my memory, and then, yeah, we can go to this uh, a story of one thing in particular. <laughs> didn't work quite so <laughs> That happened my senior year. Um, let's see the register. Well, um, the, first of all, the, the first thing that you noticed when you walked into Mr. Gary's room, which I think was on like the one side of the third floor, 317, so looking out on Dodge Street, you know, from, from up there. The first thing you noticed when you walked in the room is that the left side of the board was just covered by row after row after row after row of awards that the register had won in the state high school journalism competition. And you know, it had all the years on them. And there was very rarely a year that was skipped in there. It was very consistent. So you knew right away what the tradition was and what the standard was. Um, and, uh, and I do remember that, as Mr. Gary said, we had a lot of independence. Um, we were the ones who decided what to put in the paper. Um, uh, when one edition came out, the next day we would go over it and and then start planning on the next one. And then we, we decided what to write and assign those stories. Uh, we wrote them, we reported them, um, and we we laid out the paper. Now, Mr. Gary was always there, you know, as a sounding board and to offer advice. Uh, but we had a lot of freedom, and with that, of course, came responsibility. But for a group of 17-year-olds, that was just incredibly empowering and uh, to know that we had that ability. And we took a lot of pride in putting out you know, the best damn newspaper that we could. And we had a lot of fun doing it um, along the way. Uh, but the... The one incident of which he, he refers uh, it really relates to an advertisement more than a story. But Planned Parenthood uh, bought an ad in the register going into, it was an early February edition. So students sold the ad yes, advertisement. So yes, this was all sold by the students. They were exactly. The exactly. The, the students handled everything. We sold the ads and, and did all that. Well, Planned Parenthood put out an ad uh, that basically said, uh, February 14th is Love Carefully Day. <laughs> and, um, and went on to say that you should use your proper protections and such. And, um, and uh, well, I don't know what exactly happened, but Dr. Moeller said this ad will not run. And the Central High Register. In fact, it was changed to simply February 14th is Valentine's Day. No kidding! <laughs> <laughs> and, um, 
And the staff was, uh, we've, we pretty strongly felt that, that the school should not be, you know, editing our newspaper for us like that. Now, I'm a strong First Amendment guy. I, I will admit, though, that at the time, that was not a hill that I was willing to die on um, in this particular instance. Um, and But overall, I, I do recall that uh, Mr. Garrity was pretty understanding about the whole thing. Uh, he, um, well, I mean, when you think about it, it really was a living example of the First Amendment, a living lesson in the First Amendment, because we learned, as we all eventually learned, there are limits on, on free speech. And in this case, what we learned was that even though we thought we controlled the newspaper, in the end, we weren't the publishers of the paper because we weren't the ones paying the bills, pay, paying to, to print it. That was the school, the school district. And so in effect, uh, uh, Dr. Moeller was the we found out was the uh, unofficial publisher of the Gateway. So he had every right to do it. I thought Mr. Garrity handled it pretty well. He let us have our say. Um, I think, I, I was going to go look up in the archives to see if this happened. But I vaguely remember that we may have even written an editorial that basically expressed our opinion uh, on, of this. Um, but overall, I was sure, uh, I know Mr. Garrity ended up on TV because of this, <laughs> and being written about in the World Herald. Um, I think our ad manager, who was, uh, his name was Jay Stark, was very gung-ho that this ad should run. Um, uh, I think he alerted the local media. <laughs> and, uh, but I thought Mr. Garrity uh, handled it well. I'm sure he was glad when it all blew over, and he was probably even happier when my class graduated. <laughs> This was indeed an exciting time. <laughs> uh, and I got it from all sides in this because I got a call from Planned Parenthood. Um, and they wanted this ad. Originally, the plan was just not to run the ad, but they 